All right. Well, first I want to just point out uh, Michelle is great because she's been the one that did all the hard work to get everyone here. And also Ralph and Paul have contributed. Um, and Dave Schimmel, who is late. Uh, <laughs> typical Dave. And uh, yeah, so we're here today to talk about uh, observing terrestrial ecosystems and the carbon cycle from space. Uh, my subtitle is From Stovepipes to Synthesis, which will come in at the very end of this brief talk to give some context for why we're all here. Uh, just to go over what we're going to hear about today, we're going to hear about the carbon cycle, uh, terrestrial ecology and modeling of that, then we're going to have a nice lunch. And then we're going to hear about four uh, different uh, remote sensing technologies and missions associated with them, except for the last one, uh, because there isn't, uh, well, there is Hesperi in the far future. But these are missions that are planned in the next couple of years. Uh, so it's vegetation structure and biomass, uh, JEDI, eco-hydrology and eco-stress, uh, atmospheric CO2 concentration and chlorophyll fluorescence, so CO3, and uh, imaging spectroscopy. So just to go back a couple of decades, this is ERT, uh, which later became known as Landsat 1, launched in 1972. Uh, a couple years after that, there was a symposium, uh, the third symposium on ERT. Uh, and there was this equation, which some people well, cut off there. Uh, NDVI, which is a measure of uh, vegetation greenness. And that's when, we come, when it comes to understanding the carbon cycle from space, and the, really the carbon cycle, and not just the broader Earth uh, system, that's what we had for a couple of decades, is basically measures of greenness, whether it was Landsat, MODIS, ABHRR. Um, and now we have a great decades-long record of that greenness. Um, but we're sort of hitting the limits of that. And again, this is cut off. Anyway, um, the title there says, Droughts are Endangering the Amazon. So um, the Amazon, it experiences droughts from time to time. Uh, there was a big one in 2005, 2010. We're probably headed into another one this year with the El Nino. Uh, there's a lot of carbon there, 86 petagrams of carbon, um, you know, quarter of all Earth species. and uh, over parts of it, we see massive diebacks during these drought events. And we've sort of hit the limits of uh, the technologies that we have in orbit today. So I have you know, a list of papers and prestigious journals you know, saying that the Amazon greens up during dry periods. Uh, and then other ones that say, oh, no, it does not, right? And this is a, a nice quote that I like uh, from Greg Asner. And it says, it's nobody's fault. These guys are trying to squeeze blood from a stone. These uncertainties are exposing the limits of space-based sensors that were designed 20 plus years ago. These issues are not going to be resolved by the technology that is in orbit today. And then you might think, well, OK, if it's not going to be solved by what's in orbit today, what about on, on the ground? You know, what about you know, going out there and measuring it? Well, here's I have three plots. Um, they're all uh, from left to right, going from south to north, uh, zonal plots. And so, and then on the y-axis here, we have uh, our best estimates of uh, evapotranspiration and uh, productivity of plants. And then uh, a plot of 
Ediflux Tower uh, Fluxnet sites. And you can see that in the regions where uh, we have the most uh, vegetation activity, you know, we have, the, we have only a handful of sites. And this pattern repeats itself over and over again. So here is a similar plot, again, going from south to north. You have the equator here. Uh, our best estimates of vegetation carbon uh, and total carbon, in, in also including the soil stocks. And then uh, estimate, or, or the, the number of, uh, or the density of forest plots. And we have this huge peak here in the mid-latitudes, where there's lots of uh, rich countries and lots of uh, you know, uh, universities, the US Forest Service you know, contributing to that peak. These are peaks from, from Europe. Um, and almost nothing there in the tropics, because it's difficult to get access uh, there, in, 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 for instance, in the Amazon. And here's another plot, again, going left to right, south to north. And this is a histogram of uh, the total number of plant vascular plant species observed in these zonal bins. And then these, this uh, in the black, okay? And then here we have the number of those species where we have trait data. So that's data about aspects of the plant, for instance, uh, nutrient concentrations in the leaves, or the maximum rate of carboxylation. Uh, and we, again, we, we see this peak in the tropics, uh, but you know, very sparse data uh, relative to the total number of species. So if we want to get that broad global coverage, space is the place to do it. And it, I don't want to make it sound like there's nothing new in orbit. In the last decade or so, there's been a couple of new technologies that have gone up. So we have uh, GOSAT and OCO2 measuring uh, greenhouse gas concentrations as well as fluorescence. Uh, there's been the ICESAT, which is a LIDAR, which has also looked at vegetation uh, structure. And then we've had some microwave instruments like uh, AMSR and SMOS and SMAP looking at things like uh, soil water and canopy water. But then why are we all here in this room, or at least some of us that are going to go on to the workshop later, is that we have this wonderful opportunity um, that presented itself last year when we were proposing this workshop. Uh, this is the International Space Station. Uh, and then here, uh, well, this part here is the Japanese experiment module. And then this part is the Japanese experiment module exposed facility. And you see these little boxes that stick out here. That's where you, there's a little robot arm that can take an instrument out of, for instance, a, a SpaceX Dragon capsule and plug that instrument in and then have it point down at Earth. And so uh, recently, we've had selected uh, the JEDI LIDAR mission, which you're going to hear about later today. It's going to be studying ecosystem structure and biomass. Uh, the EcoStress uh, mission, which is a thermal radiometer, which is going to be looking at uh, ecohydrology and uh, evapotranspiration. And then the OCO3 mission, which is a follow-on to OCO2, but will be on station and have a pointing capability. And at the time that we proposed this, there was the potential that there might have been an imaging spectrometer uh, along with these is less likely now, but there are p possibilities that uh, it could be in space around the same time, which would be looking at these plant traits, things like nutrient concentrations in the leaves. 
So together, uh, these instruments, and especially if they're flying at the same time, will be a real revolutionary leap in looking at more than just greenness. And, uh, and we'll really be able to have simultaneously measurements of ecosystem composition, function, and structure. And oh, uh, some of you might be familiar with uh, the A-Train. It's a series of satellites that follow each other about 30 seconds apart in space. Um, the OCO2 is part of the A-Train. But for the most part, it's uh, been atmospheric instruments, you know, looking at things like uh, cloud droplet size and, and stuff like that. And what uh, these instruments could be is something like the sea train, the carbon train. So, but, you know, we have these four instruments, OCO3, EcoStress, JEDI, and there was, I have this uh, dashed line for the imaging spectrometer because it's not actually a mission. Um, and they've all been proposed and selected based on their own merits. They all have great science questions uh, that proven themselves. Um, and so they're a bit like a stovepipe that comes from NASA uh, system engineering and principles that you know you reduce your contingencies. You don't you know you don't want things to be dependent on one, one another in order to meet your requirements. Well, they've already met their requirements. So now we can go from something like that in the course of this workshop to something like this. Can I get cut off? Uh, where we, we look at what, where are the intersections and what good science and new science and uh, even better science can we get out of these intersections. And then why the timing of this workshop beyond the fact that these, uh, well, let's just, sorry about that. Um, so three of those potential questions would be, you know, taking things from each of the instruments, for instance, taking the uh, productivity or the, the, the flux from OCO3, uh, water flux from EcoStress, and looking at water use efficiency. Same thing for uh, OCO3 and spectrometer, looking at light use efficiency. And, and we can look at the turnover time of carbon or residence time of carbon with JEDI and OCO3, and then come up with the, you know, a really uh, basic understanding of change in the carbon and carbon storage and the terrestri and terrestrial ecosystems, and we, you know, we have water use efficiency plus uh, light use efficiency times tau in a sort of uh, abstract way uh, representing that. And then we have beyond this short-term opportunity. Uh, right now, uh, there's the what's called the decadal survey process going on. Panels are being selected. Uh, this is a document which the federal government, uh, NASA, USGS, uh, NOAA, go to the National Academy of Science uh, and they ask, you know, what should our priorities be for the next 10 years? Uh, and this is the one that came out in 2007, uh, which laid out, you know, the priorities for the last 10 years. We're now in the process, or the National Academy of Science is in the process of creating one for the next 10 years. Um, we're somewhere around here in the process. And so by coming together at this workshop, we can write a document which hopefully inform that process about uh, the value of uh, synergies across multiple instruments uh, so that 
not only do we get the instruments in space that we want uh, in the next 10 years, but we get them flying simultaneously, or if that's necessary, in order to answer the science questions that we want. And with that, I'll open it up to questions. <laughs>